and welcome to the One Pound Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Wayne, and if you're not familiar with the show, basically what it is, I've been to my local CEX, or cash converters, you know, locking basement type DVD places, and bought a DVD for a pound or less. Some films you'll know, some films you don't know. That's pretty much the crux of the show. This is episode five, and on episode five, we'll be talking about 2015's Pan. I'm going to tell you a story about a boy who would never grow up. About the pirate who wished to kill him. About the island where fairies roamed. But this isn't the story you've heard before. Because sometimes, friends begin as enemies. And enemies begin as friends. Sometimes, to truly understand how things end, we must first know how they begin. So, Pan from 2015, directed by Joe Wright, stars Hugh Jackman, Garrett Hedlund, Rooney Mara and Levi Miller. Has an IMDb score of 5.7 out of 10, Rotten Tomatoes score of 27%, Metacritic 36%, has a budget of $150 million. In its opening weekend in America, it took $15.3 million and a worldwide gross of $128 million. So we didn't make bank. I'm going to read you the synopsis now. This is directly from the back of the DVD. This is what it says. So, Peter Levi Miller is a mischievous 12-year-old boy who has lived his whole life in a bleak London orphanage. Then, one incredible night, Peter is whisked away from the city and spirited off to a fantastical world of pirates, warriors and fairies called Neverland. There, he finds amazing adventures while trying to uncover the secret of his mother and his rightful place in the mystical land. Teamed with the warrior, Tiger Lily, and his new friend, James Hook, Garrett Hedlund, Peter must defeat the ruthless Blackbeard, played by Hugh Jackman, to save Neverland and discover his true destiny in this enchanting adaptation of J.M. Barry's classic British story. Director Joe Wright, famous for Pride and Prejudice from 2005, Atonement, most recently directed Darkest Hour, which obviously uh, landed Gary Oldman the Best Actor Award. In 2007, he became the youngest director to open a film at the Venice Film Festival. Hugh Jackman, um, obviously a um, very famous actor, famous for portraying Wolverine, most recently, probably the greatest showman. He's obviously been in the adaptation of Le Miserable. You know, he's, he's a very prodigious actor. You're, you're known, Hugh Jackman is obviously. He owns his own production company called C Productions, which produced X Man Last Stand and The Greatest Showman. Gareth Hedlund uh, is a character actor. He has 29 actor credits to his name. Probably most famous for playing Sam Flynn in the sequel to Tron, Tron Legacy, along with Four Brothers, Aragon. Inside Lewin Davis, Triple Frontier, that's pretty much everything. And his partner is Emma Roberts, who is Eric Roberts' daughter. Rooney Mara, over 25 actor credits, including Carol, which was released the same year as this. Obviously famous for portraying Elizabeth Salander in the David Fincher version of uh, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. And she has a sister, Kate Mara. A couple of interesting facts about Rooney Mara's family. Her great-grandfather was called Tim Mara, and he founded the New York Giants American football team. And great-grandfather Art Rooney founded the Pittsburgh Steelers American football team. Levi Miller is an Australian-born actor. He obviously plays Pan, and that's his first. It was his, this was his first role. He's since been in um, Wrinkle in Time and lots of TV works like uh, Terry Nova and Supergirl. So yeah, he's brand new to this. Is uh, so probably about 15, 16 years old now. It's 2021 when I'm recording this. This was released 2015. Yeah, so that's about right. Critical response to this. Sam Wolf from We've Got This Covered. You'll be somewhere in Neverland in the middle of an empty theatre when the drugs take hold. At least that's what it feels like when you're watching Pan. Andrew Baker from Variety said, of all the recent big-budget studio films to reimagine beloved children's tales as garish CGI-chocked sensory overloads, stripped of all whimsy and childlike wonder, Joe Wright's Pan is certainly the most technically sophisticated. Positioned as a prequel to J.M. Barry's classic Peter Pan stories, Pan swaps 
puckish mischief and innocence for doses of steampunk design, anachronistic music, a stack of chosen one narrative, and themes of child labour, warfare, and an unsustainable mineral mining. Right, so after all that, just to let you know, I haven't seen this film before, so I'm going into this film absolutely blind. And my expectation for this is, I'm expecting a bory, exposition-heavy, CGI-infested wonderland for a prequel story that nobody wanted, or cared about for that matter. I'm, I'm expecting a stupid heel turn from Hook at some point, because obviously he's got to go from being Peter's friend to, to Peter's enemy, and Hugh Jackman being literally the pantomime villain, and it being very colourful. You know, it is, it is marketed as a kid's film after all. So we're going to break right there now, and we're going to have an intermission while I go and watch the film. So I'm back from watching the film, and we're going to go straight into this now. If you're not familiar with how the podcast works, heavy spoilers from here on in, so you have been warned. If you do want to see the film and you don't want it spoiled, stop the podcast now, go watch the film, come back, I'll be waiting for you. But if you do continue, you've been warned, heavy spoilers from here on in. So, we're going to go straight into the film now, we'll start with the introduction. So we start with a surprise Amanda Seyfried, who leaves her baby on the steps of uh, an orphanage. Didn't know Amanda Seyfried was in this at all, so surprise Amanda Seyfried. She leaves her baby on the steps of an orphanage, and he's got a necklace of panpipes. I wonder who he could be. We then move forward in time, ten years, and the orphanage is still got kids in during World War Two. They make reference that the kids haven't been evacuated like all the other kids would have been, but occasionally some kids go missing, and it's like, oh yeah, they've been relocated to Canada, is where they've been relocated. Unsurprisingly, the orphans are treated really badly, the nuns are evil, and they're led by a very sadistic Kathy Burke. Have a listen. Now get on that roof and clean those filthy gutters. Is it safe, Mother Barnabas? Well, I'm not tested in myself, like, you know, not recently. But all the necessary paperwork is in order. Should an orphan perish in a fog? Now get up there! Levi Miller, straight from the off, he reminds me of a sort of a very young... Cheeky chappy, Taron Egerton type character. He's got a lot of charm about him. He's, he's you know, for a first film, he's, he's carrying this really well. Uh, we then we then carry on. So uh, Taron, um, Peter and his friend go looking because they think that the nuns are harbouring supplies and food because all the kids get to eat his gruel. They're right, they're, they are. They're, they're harbouring um, cakes and all manner of things. So uh, they get caught, thrown into uh, a cupboard. And over the night, they jump back into bed, and the nuns are flying a Jolly Roger. They fly the Jolly Roger flag. Enter the pirates. They, they've come in through the skylights of the orphans' bedrooms and take them away on bungee cords up to the pirate ship in the sky. Uh, there then takes place a Battle of Britain-style sky battle with Spitfires and the pirate ship, which is all very silly. You pop to GCHQ and you see them pushing the little models about on the map, and it's like, I don't think there's any need for this at all. You could have just got through this section. But I think it's just there for a bit of a bit of extra action. You know, at this point, the film is rocketing along. There's no need for this. And after watching the film, there was, you know, it's it's a scene that could have been dropped, and it sort of makes no sense at all. You know, GCHQ have got pirate ships on their board, so this has happened before. Do they think the Nazis have got some sort of propulsion for a flying a, a pirate ship? I know it's World War Two, and planes are still being made of wood, but 
metal is the element of the day. But anyway, we move on from there. So uh, the pirate ship takes off and heads towards Neverland. And not for the last time in this film, I was reminded of Avatar and Pandora. You know, lots of very brightly coloured, lots of fish pools in the sky, lots of gorgeous looking creatures in these fish in these pools. You know, fish flying from one pool to another. There's an albino alligator. It's very nice. And you see Neverland in the distance, and it looks a bit like Cloud City, if I'm honest. But they head towards Neverland, and then we get introduced to Captain Blackbeard, who is, you know, Hugh Jackman is on fine pantomime form in this. He knows exactly what film he's in. We get a very strange use of Nirvana smells like teen spirit. Have a listen. He's the pirate all pirates fear. The original nightmare. The man they call And I forget just why I taste it. Oh, yeah. Yes, it makes me smile. I found it hard. So hard to find. Oh, well, whatever. Never mind. Hello, 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 hello. <laughs> Where the lights out? This is dangerous. Here we are now. Entertain us. Blackbeard is in charge of a mine, and he's got all these kids and reprobates and prisoners mining for this mineral called Fairy Pixum, which is, we find out a little bit into the film, that is basically the fountain of youth. And it's what's keeping Blackbeard young because he turns into an old hag if, uh, if, he, if he doesn't take these. Peter's put to work in the mine and we meet Hook for the first time. Real, actual fairies. Hey, new kid. You just got here on a flying pirate ship. Real should be a very fluid concept for you right now. Get to digging. And we also meet Smee. Now, Smee is played by Adil... Acton, if you're not familiar with that name, he plays Wilson in Utopia. He's a very fine British actor and he does a fantastic job of Smee. He's a really nervous, sort of, you can see that he's got treachery behind the eyes, sort of, behind his eyes, sort of character. It's very well portrayed. Peter is then caught up in some sort of, some sort of kerfuffle about the fairy Pixum. And it turns out he's, you know, he's then portrayed as a bit of a troublemaker. So he's sent up to see Blackbeard, who then proceeds to make him walk the plank. Cue more anachronistic music of the Ramones. So Blackbeard pushes Peter off the plank and it turns out Peter can fly. Of course he can. He's Peter Pan. He sort of flies and then Blackbeard sort of puts two and two together and realises that Peter is part of a prophecy of the boy from the outside who will come and sort of... It's, it's, you know, it's the Luke Skywalker moment. He'll bring balance to the force. He'll bring, you know, he'll, he'll take Blackbeard down and lead the fairy army against him. Then Peter escapes with Hook and Smee. Very nice action here. Very fast. Lots of sort of James Bond moments. You know, there's cable cars and all manner of things in the sky. Very steampunk, like Andrew Baker says from Variety. Peter Smee and Hook head off towards the Indian lands where they want to find uh, the Indians who Peter believes will be able to take him to his mother and the fairy kingdom because that's where he believes his mom is. His, his mom's in the fairy kingdom. They crash land into the, the, the forest. The forest is absolutely gorgeous looking and again, more reminiscent of uh, Pandora, you know, giant toadstools, massive trees and the absolutely nightmarish neverbirds, which are these horrible sort of skeletal chicken type creatures with 
colourful colourful furry feathers they chase our heroes and they meet Tiger Lily obviously it was Rooney, Rooney Mara and she's got this sort of like smouldering warrior type thing and she's the Indian's most fearsome warrior as in Tiger Lily obviously Tiger Lily from the stories I mean 40 minutes into this film it's really nicely plotted it's good CGI it's got some good action but it does feel like we're still waiting for the film to settle it does feel sort of like that it's, you're racing along to get to something to get to get to somewhere so you can start, you know, laying the the film can slow down and breathe a little bit because at the moment it's been action after action. I'm not complaining, you know, it's not 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 entertaining. It certainly does that. Pirates then follow Peter to the forest, and because Peter's wearing the necklace, the warriors, you know, the the, the panpipes necklace, the warriors believe him. If he is the chosen one uh, who can unite the Indians and the fairy army, that if he is the chosen one, he'll be able to fly like a fairy. We then get moments of flashback to when Robin Williams is trying to fly in Hook, when he's jumping off trying to find his happy thought and all that sort of thing. He's got lots of falling on his face. The pirates then attack, and there's a lovely drawn-out fight with the pirates and the Indians and the pirates fighting. Another, another Avatar flashback. Peter turns up on a neverbird and starts attacking them from the sky. He just looks like one of those dragon creatures from, from Avatar, and he looks like he's doing that in that, so there's lots of throws to that. Peter, Tiger Lily, and Hook all escape in this sort of root dinghy, is what it is, and they float out to... They're, they're going to head towards Mermaid Lagoon. Giant crocodiles here, and they encounter um, the mermaids, who is... Uh, all the mermaids look the same for some reason, and they're all Cara Delevingne. She doesn't speak, but it's a nice little sequence. It's all very well, all very nice and colourful. Hook then does his... Um, he does a fantastic impression of Han Solo they find a maroon ship and he jumps on his ship and you know instead of saying I've got my reward I'm off it's like I'm not fighting those pirates and if you had any sense you'd come with me but Tiger Lillian Peter decide to go to the fairy kingdom or to the cave that leads him to the fairy kingdom. Hook then sails off, very Han Solo. You know he's coming back. And Peter and Tiger Lily head towards the mermaid cave. They, they, they find the fairy cave and Peter's panpipe necklace is actually a key that will open the fairy kingdom. As they do this, obviously the pirates have followed them there. Captain Blackbeard and his ship come through the, the door with Peter into the fairy kingdom. And he's, you know, he's drunk on power at this point because there's fairy picks him everywhere. Obviously it's the fairy kingdom. Uh, we meet Tinkerbell really quickly, and then lo and behold, Han Solo. Sorry, Hook turns up in his in his new boat, and he's come to help the uh, the goodies against against the pirates. And uh, the you know lots of swashbuckling after this point, lots of people falling into abyss. Uh, Amanda Seedfried turns up as a fairy sort of effigy. Lots of fairies making her face out, saying that she'll always be here, and he's you know he's strong now, and he can take on everything. Bigger t- big final, you know, swashbuckling adventure at the end. Peter Hook and Tiger Lily win. Peter then goes and rescues all the orphans, and this happens. Which way should we go? Set a course. Hey, who's in charge here? Well, I'm the captain. And I'm the chosen one. We'll have plenty of time to argue about that later, Flyboy. Suit yourself, Captain Hook. <laughs> Set a course. Second to the right, and straight on till morning. The end. So the reality of the of the film, this film rockets along and it's really colourful. It's really fast paced and, and it's got some great action in it. They set up a lot of what's to follow, i.e., Peter Pan and Hook. And if you, um, to be honest, it's a good little trilogy. If you could watch this and then the Peter Pan film that stars Jason Isaac as Captain Hook, and then you could watch Hook after it. I think that'd be a good little trilogy. For a Sunday afternoon, some things don't add up at all. Peter and Hook being friends is not 
you know, there's no heel turn. That's one of the things I had in my expectation. I expected a heel turn. There isn't one, so that was pretty good because I was expecting it and didn't come. I think they wanted more films and they obviously didn't get them. That's one of them. There's a Tiger Lily and Hooker Romance storyline. I always thought she was in love with Peter. I saw that, that. And I always thought she was like a 12-year-old girl, not a grown-up lady. So, yeah, there's a couple of things that don't add up in it, to be honest. They tie up some loose ends, though, because, you know, the, the Lost Boys... Nobody really knows what they are, but obviously the Lost Boys is um, are the, the orphans from from our world, as it is, and Peter's origin. Uh, Peter's origin is basically... Uh, there's a lovely bit in the middle of this film that I'm out in the description when they do like a sort of... It's very Studio Leica, if you know what I mean by that. They, they describe the story about how Peter's mum and Peter's dad, who was a fairy, met, and uh, how he was conceived, and that's sort of his half... He's, you know, he's half human, half fairy, is what he is. Uh, we'll run through the characters now. I mean, Pam by Levi Miller. Uh, Levi Miller. He's good, he's likeable, his accent wavers at times. He, you know, he's trying to do sort of Cockney London and he wavers a bit at the times, but his accent does waver at times. But I, um, I believed in his journey and he's a likeable little actor and he, he does well with, with uh, this film entirely. I mean, Blackbeard, Hugh Jackman, exceptionally pantomime and deviously evil. Thought he was a good villain for a kid's film, to be honest. He... he he genuinely has some dark moments. You know, you're putting all these kids to, to work uh, in a mine. It's very Temple of Doom, you know, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Hook, who is played by Gareth Hedlund. And like I say, uh, like I said in my description, they're going for the Han Solo character of this. You know, the whole rogue thing of, of him coming good in the end. But it was it's just another sort of cliched storyline. But it's a kid's film, so you've got to allow these sort of things. Tiger Lily by Rune Mara. I wasn't fussed about her, to be honest, and she left no lasting impression on me. Uh, I think anyone could have done the job she did which was <laughs> adequately average. Uh, maybe someone younger as well to, like, to fit the part. Um, and there wasn't enough mystique about it. It's sort of like she turned up, oh, she's our greatest warrior. Look at her fight. And that's it. It's, that's it. It's done like. I also want to bring up Smee. Andy Actan, as I said in, in the description, enjoyed his sheepish, nervous, jumpy, quick-to-turn-heel version. And he added some really nice quirks to it. And he's, uh, yeah, it was a solid performance from him. Special effects. There's a couple of ropey scenes of CGI. I'm talking a couple. And it's only because I'm really looking for them. Um, all the big stuff looked really good, you know, the pirate ships, the, the flying, all that looked look fine. Uh, the designs are good, the, the costumes, the world building, you know, the juxtaposition between uh, the drab mine and the, the steampunk of that versus the green lush colours of the uh, of the forest and the warrior lands, you know, that's all really well put, you know, obviously industry versus nature. Very, very clever, that. Very nice. The battles are good enough as well, they're good. They're enjoyable, they're really, really well done. And I think the film, to be honest, it owes a massive debt to Pirates of the Caribbean and Avatar because that's sort of scattered all the way through. But it's not what I was expecting at all. Some stuff was spot on. Hugh Jackman doing the pantomime villain. I love that, that was great. He was uh, it's very CGI, everybody needs to be, and it wasn't distracted at any point. Plot flowed nicely, and I didn't need to concentrate very much. It was very nice to look at, and it's a solidly played and pieced together film. I didn't like... The, the music numbers, if I'm honest, I don't think they, they were needed. It's sort of implying that Kurt Cobain and Jerry Ramone were both Lost Boys at some point, which which is a clever turn of phrase, as it were, because I suppose they both were Lost Boys, but they're sort of implying they came from Neverland and that's where these songs came from because they were ingrained in them, which is a bit strange to me, but yeah, they didn't work for me at all. It's perfect um, Sunday afternoon family film, this. If it's raining outside and you've got nowhere to go, this is one of those. It's nice to look at. You know, you can play with your phone. The kids will be wrapped. I watched it with my 10-year-old son and he loved it. Um, so, yeah, we move after that then. Um, I liked all of Peter's backstory. Didn't enjoy the Tiger Lily 
hook romance there was no need for that and i'm i'm unsure where they would have gone because peter and hook were quite decent friends to be honest but yeah so we'll we'll move on now to the verdict enjoyed this yeah it's rip roaring swashbuckling adventure lots to look at i was never bored lots to keep you engaged defo worth watching with a family defo worth the pound i spent on it and because of that i've forgiven its flaws to be honest because it's just a nice romp of a film i've got the advantage of time you know i'm, I'm five years departed or well, six years departed from this film for when it was released i haven't got the whole backlash of it and it's sort of passed me by at the time i knew nothing of this film in fact when i picked it up in cex i just forgot about it i was like oh yeah i remember sort of really remember this so watching it now like i say six years departed this was a fine film and it was fun and it was you know it's colorful and well put together so yeah well worth the pain so uh thanks again that's that's the end of the podcast now thanks again for joining me please follow me on twitter please follow me on facebook also go to letterbox you can find the one pound movie podcast list there you can uh, join join my list there you can leave your comments on the films and join in that way if you like if not you can contact me through facebook and twitter let me know what you think about these films i'm doing 20 episodes in the first season so at the end of the 20 episodes i'll be giving all dvds away so uh keep a lookout for the competition at the end of that and yeah thanks for listening bye